just want to do God's will. The kind of revolution that the world needs is a Christian revolution. If you want a miracle, you've got to expect it to happen. You're the recipients of God's grace and God's blessings, and you rejoice in that reality. Welcome to Life Today Live. Hope you guys had a great weekend. We're going to kick off Monday talking about something that I enjoy. I am a fiction book reader, uh, and my tastes are a little different. Um, they they just they run they just they're a little different. <laughs> and so I don't do a lot of fiction interviews, but uh, today's guest intrigued me, and and so we're gonna we're gonna talk through it. Uh, he has a, a book out called, he has several books out uh, actually, but we're going to talk about one today called The Light. Uh, and well, it's got an interesting setting, uh, interesting story, and um, I find it I find it quite interesting. So you're invited to be a part of the conversation if you're watching us live. Chat is open on the chat-enabled channels. Uh, and uh, would you welcome with me a gentleman by the name of Buck Storm. Buck, good to see you, man. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. So um, with my slightly offbeat and ambiguous uh, introduction, <laughs> in your own words, how would you describe um, your, your writing as well? Not just The Light, which is not your typical book, but some of the other ones uh, like, like Venus Sings the Blues, uh, Truck Stop Jesus, and some of those. What, how, how, do we, how do we position what you do? Well, I write... Um, what I like generally, what I like to read, but, but uh, I, I write what's what some of the uh, publishers, for lack of a better term, have called a literary Americana. It's a uh, you know some of my books take place in a small town in Arizona. I've got a series that that uh, kind of wanders through that desert atmosphere, and uh, you know it's it's kind of like watching my books are kind of like watching old films. I think that it's uh, I sort of describe the pictures in my head, and there's some humor, and hopefully there's some depth. Definitely not your a typical Christian fair, I wouldn't say, but, uh, you know, I think as an artist, uh, or as a writer, I've been a musician for years, you know, that was kind of my, my upbringing and, uh, and then into books, I think, uh, you know, uh, whatever your art form, um, your heart is going to somehow come through. And my heart has been for years, the, uh, miraculous realization that God is faithful to me, even in my faithless, faithless days. And so uh, that's, I think, the underlying message in my books, whether or not it's spelled out, you know, completely clearly or not. That, I think that's what people walk away with. The Light is a little bit different. It's a fictional uh, account, or not a fictional, uh, a biblical fiction, uh, but it's the account of Christ's, uh, uh, of the early believers' experience from the resurrection to Pentecost, those 50 days, which is an incredible time to write about. I really, really enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so what, just... I won't get too nerdy on the writing side, but what's what's the most important thing to you? Character, action, or dialogue? Uh, man, I don't think you can you can lift one of those up. I can tell you what I enjoy the most out of those. I love dialogue. You know, I'm a I'm a huge Hemingway fan. Uh, nice. um, uh, Salinger, uh, some of these guys that that use dialogue and in amazing ways. One of the things I love about Hemingway, and I talk about this a lot if I'm in ever in like writing environments, um, is that you could you could read a sentence of dialogue of Hemingway and see years of backstory in a character. And I think that's what great writing is. Mm -hmm. So I think dialogue's very important, but 
characters to me are, you know, they drive the story and, and their, their, their pain and their joy. Uh, if you can live that with them, that, that makes a story great. So yeah, character action, you got to have something that happens, right? <laughs> yeah. so, so somebody has to get into some trouble and figure out how to get out of it. So yeah, I think, I think they all, they all kind of uh, meld together. But, uh, but as far as what I enjoy, I love writing dialogue. That's one of my, my, the, the things I love. And, and I think one of the things I'm known for in my books. Nice. Nice. Have you been to the Hemingway house in uh, Key West? You know, I have, but it's been so long ago, I can't even tell you how old I am. <laughs> yeah, nice. All right. On to the light. Um, but yeah, let's get into some of the story, and then we'll talk about some of the potential uh, landmines in writing biblical fiction, because not yeah. everybody appreciates all that. Um, walk us through some of the, where you're going in, in the story and, and some of the characters. Well, so this book kind of springs out of another book I wrote called The List, which follows follows uh, Christ's journey through the three years of ministry. Um, uh, that we, you know, I introduced a couple of characters from the Bible. Nicodemus was you know the the Pharisee that went and saw Jesus by night, and Joseph of Arimathea. Um, the reason I even picked this up, I was asked to write this book, um, and uh, the reason I even was interested was because you have Joseph of Arimathea, a Sadducee, a wealthy guy, arguably a Sadducee. I believe he was would have been a Sadducee. Um, and you have Joseph, or Nicodemus, a Pharisee, coming together to take Jesus's body off the cross. This is this is like <laughs> Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton joining forces for something greater than themselves. True. Only only more drastic at, at the time. And so I thought that was a fascinating story there. Um, I love the the fifty days following the resurrection isn't something that people generally generally write about, uh, but. If you think about it, man, it's this is like there's science fiction happening. So you've got you've got the uh, the ascension, Jesus rising up into the sky from from you know the Mount on Bethany. Uh, you've got the graves opening up and people walking out of them. And and what what would that have been like? I mean, you, you know, your Uncle Charlie's knocking at the door. He's been dead for ten years. You know, you don't know. I mean, what an amazing thing to write about Lazarus on the scene. Um, you've got a uh, Pentecost itself, um, the, the a day that changed the entire world. You know, and through all this, you have the oppression of Rome, Rome's Rome's boot on the neck of, of the Jewish uh, people. You've got the Jewish elite that are oppressing their own people, uh, denying that Jesus Christ has risen. Uh, then you have an empty grave and no body. And so, where is this guy? And, and and at the same time, this is your hope. This is your your life if you're if you're an early believer. But everybody's trying to kill you. So I thought it was an interesting. You know, it's it's a great uh, setting to write a story against. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. You've also you've also got people thinking that Jesus was coming back to boot Rome out and set the Israelites back in charge, uh, you know, in a in a physical condemnation, and that that wasn't happening either. You, you talk about a conflict, which is key to a good story. <laughs> There's a little bit going on during this time. Oh yeah, I mean, it almost writes itself. Really, it's it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. The Jews were expecting a, a military messiah. They were looking for somebody to lead their army, and and. Um, many Jews still are looking for that same design. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it was, uh, and so this is, this is, people had to be scratching their heads and at the same time hiding in holes, you know, and, and they've looted, if you're, if you're brave enough or you have enough a conviction to stand up and say, I, I do believe that this is the Messiah, was the Messiah, um, you're losing everything, your business, your family, your place in the synagogue. I mean, you're, it's, it's, you're giving everything up to, uh, to follow this man. The the character Joseph of Arimathea, what what do we know about him? I mean, a little bit from scripture, but not a whole lot. Is there are there any other source materials about this guy out there? 
Uh, not there's very little about Joseph of Arimathea. You have some some clues, uh, which I found interesting. Uh, obviously, you know he was uh, uh, he he was wealthy. He had his own tomb carved out. Um, there's a wine press there that. So um, in my book, this is complete conjecture, but I make him a, a, a wine grower, a grape grower, a vineyard owner, and a winemaker in the book. Uh, we know he was wealthy. Uh, lived on the upper uh, on Mount Zion in the. Uh, the wealthy area, the upper city is what it was called in the first century, close to Parrot's house, uh, uh, Herod's palace, Parrot's house, that's good, Parrot's <laughs> palace. And uh, so um, he had access to Pilate. He was able to walk in and talk to Pilate. That was pretty unusual. So we know he was a man of influence, wealth, uh, and had a voice. He was part of the, the uh, great Sanhedrin, the 70-man body that ruled uh, religiously in, in Jerusalem. We know, so we know he would have been a scholar. He would have been studying the scriptures. He would have had an inkling uh, if he was paying attention of when the Messiah was going to show up. We know this from Daniel's scriptures and Daniel's timeline. So, yeah, there's there's some things we can guess about him. And then there's then there's also some things we can make up, which is what I did. But, you know, <laughs> I mean, I think it's as good a guess as anybody else and maybe somewhat of an educated guess. So, so OK, so now we step into one of the landmines. When you start talking, right. I mean, you've, you've we've seen the criticism of the chosen. You know, yeah. uh, and and I love exploring with as much historical knowledge as we have, which is often very little, like you say, but exploring sure. some of these other sort of peripheral characters. You know, you start putting words in Jesus' mouth, I can see how people get a little upset. Right. Um, but I mean, you're talking Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea. Um, we're, we're, how do you write about biblical characters in a fictional way that, doesn't get you in trouble. I don't know that you do. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell you though that my goal uh, with with both of these books uh, was to keep things. I, I've been to Israel many many times. Um, I've walked I've walked driven, uh, seen you know as, as Jerusalem the the entire country stem to stern. But uh, so I wanted to keep things geographically accurate, mm. uh, especially writing in the old city, Jerusalem, which is an amazing backdrop to that. The first century Jerusalem was spectacular. I mean, you've got the largest man-made uh, platform on the Temple Mount of, of recorded history at the time. Mm. You know, uh, just just the, the temple itself was amazing. The upper city, Herod's Palace, incredible place to write about. And I, I kept that very, very accurate. Um, I've talked to a lot of people. I've Over the years, I've had a access to been very very blessed to have access to people a lot smarter than me and so i would quiz them and drill them uh, <laughs> as i was writing randall price's uh, to rosebook uh, temple guide is great um uh, i use that quite a bit um had josh mcdowell read books and, and uh, uh, dr dave reagan right there in texas he's, he's a friend and, and, and an amazing scholar mm -hmm. to try to keep things accurate as far as christ goes any words that christ uh, speaks in my in these books are directly from scripture. I didn't, I didn't put anything in, in Christ's mouth. Uh, everything was uh, uh, word for word, which was, which is very challenging and very interesting because when you do that, you're writing word for word what he says, but you're also writing in, on the peripheral what people are experiencing, hearing it, what they're seeing, smelling uh, the sights, you know, this, this setting. Uh, those, the, it actually worked out really well for me with, with these books. The other, the other characters, like I said, you can make an educated guess. We know uh, I, I had a great fun writing the scene of Nicodemus sneaking down to uh, see Jesus in the lower city at night. I put him in the lower city, which was kind of the slums of, of Jerusalem at the time. Uh, he was hanging out with the common men, you know, um, 
in, in these books, Jesus is a little bit different in appearance. I don't do a lot of description, but I, I kind of make him very much like what a common man would have looked at. He's not definitely not your uh, your typical uh, surfer Jesus in these books. A little bit rougher, but uh, <laughs> no blonde, yeah. So, no blonde so, hair, blue eyes? Come on. No blonde hair, blue eyes, but uh, yeah. And then also to keep things uh, culturally accurate, you know, with the with the Jewish culture of the day, um, to keep things culturally accurate, there's uh, several scenes where you get pretty deep into some Jewish culture. Uh, and then it's just historically accurate with what's going on with Rome, how how the Sanhedrin worked, um, uh, you know, the the, the, the kind of inner mechanisms of, of the society. So I think uh, I haven't had any complaints yet about the accuracy of the book, which is great. And, and just let me say this. I, I watched The Chosen uh, screaming and kicking. I, I just finished the list when I even heard of the first book when I heard about The Chosen. And I'd been studying so deeply about and, and so De- being so dedicated about keeping things accurate. And my wife wanted to watch this show she'd heard about. And I was like, I can't do it, man. I'm going to be a total jerk. I'm going to pick the thing apart. <laughs> so I went in, because that's just my nature. You know, I went into it with that with that mindset. And about halfway through the first episode, I was just thinking, man, this is pretty fantastic. I think God's going to use this in a pretty mighty way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, there's a lot of things in, in that that aren't accurate. Um, but I think, uh, you know, Jerry Jenkins makes it pretty clear that that's not what he's, what they're going for there, you know, and, and Dallas Jenkins and, okay. Uh, I've I've heard amazing stories of of people uh, you know digging deeper and, and discovering a, a deeper walk with Christ because of the way God's using that show, but you know and hopefully he used the, the list in the light the same way I don't know I've I've had a great great uh, letters and emails of of people you know kind of encountering Christ in in a deep and profound way through the book so it's awesome yeah and and you know I I think it can be very very healthy uh, should be uh, because. The, the wonderful thing about historical fiction, and, I, and that's one of my favorite genres, uh, whether it was, I really enjoy a lot of the uh, Nazi Germany kind of stuff, oh. especially during the 30s. Um, uh. Uh, Owen, what is his, Dem, Owen Dempsey has a great series out now that takes place ah, in okay. early, early Nazi Germany. And here's, here's the reason why. Not because I'm trying to study, you know, I've read The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich. I've read several of these. So I've, I've, I've done sort of the study part of that time period and the events. But when you start to, even if it's fictionalized, you start to get into characters because the, when the fiction like yours is rooted in accuracy, yeah, we're just kind of put a, putting a face onto a time so that we can relate to it better. And you start to to think of it differently. So when you go back and look at the facts, in our case— to read the scripture, you you see it in I think uh, a more realistic light in a lot of ways, a more relatable light yeah, certainly. Yeah, great uh, word. Yeah, so I mean, it's it's is has that been sort of your experience as you've gone through some of these thought exercises and character building and creating dialogue while doing the research and not tampering with the factual side of things? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, there's yeah there there's a craft to writing a book so so there's some of it that you're kind of nuts and boltsing but then there's also when you start to dig into characters characters for me become very real um i think a lot of writers would say that you know they have a lot of writers that i'm, I'm sure if they admitted it have conversations with characters in their heads as they're just you know kind of wandering through this weird world of fiction but um yeah i i think uh um for me, uh, there, the, I had, there were surprises for me in this book, you know, that, that I encountered as I wrote it. And, uh, and I, I have this, um, this thought, you know, if, if you're, 
if you are arm in arm with Christ as you walk through the world, and that's our hope, uh, even as you're creating art, I think that you have to say, well, some of this must be some, somewhat inspired, you know, I, I hope. And uh, so, there, you know, it, and those moments that are a little bit surprising, maybe maybe that's where that's coming from. Maybe you're maybe you're learning something, you know, maybe it's a maybe it's a spiritual exercise as well as a mental exercise. But, yeah. um, you know, for for uh, some of the some of the things were, were easy in 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 approach. You know, our, we wanted to show uh, I wanted to show the uh, prophecy uh, that, you know, the Old Testament prophecy there's an intellectual approach to the realization that Christ was Messiah, mm -hmm. is alive. Uh, you know, um, the Lee Strobel's case for Christ, it's a great example of that, you know, this intellectual approach, you know. Um, uh, that's what the first book was kind of about, and that's why I, I like to, I'm out kind of talking a lot about the second book. I, I felt like the, the, the prophetic, um, in the books, Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, both are scholars, and they begin this debate with, through, a, it's a, you know, kind of, looking through all this prophecy to come to the intellectual realization that, man, this guy has to be the guy. There's no other explanation for what's happening. Um, that's not the case for everybody. I mean, I think that there are times and people, and in my life that I know I've been too broken to put words together on a page to make an intellectual, you know, decision. Mm -hmm. And I, I love the fact that God is, is a personal God and a personal savior. He will meet you where you are. And so in the second book, I, I wrote a character, her name's sister. She, she's a, a prostitute in the lower city. Um, and not a scholar, not a, uh, she has, she's very crusty. She's very hard. She, she does. She's so, uh, inconsequential. She doesn't even have a name. She's just a, she's just a, a tool to be used to make money. And so I wrote her character and it's interesting out of, uh, these books, she's the, the, the character I get mail from, uh, mail about, she's yeah. the one that people relate to because that's they that even men and women, they say, that's my story. That's where I was when God met me. Wow. Um, I, I, I couldn't figure, I couldn't say two plus two is four on a page, you know, but I know that when I was at my most crushed, that's when God, God shows up on the dark parts of the road. And, uh, so that's, uh, that's what I really, really enjoyed about the second book, the light. Very cool. Very cool. The light is available now. In fact, you can go to Buck's website and see all of his books, buckstorm.com. Uh, there's the expanded version of the light there. He talks about as well as Venus Sings the Blues, which is another new offering uh, and a little bit different. Uh, could you give us a little bit of an overview of that just so people get a kind of wider view of some of your work? Sure. Venus Sings the Blues uh, it takes place most of it takes place at a little motel in the deserts of uh, uh, southeastern Arizona called the Venus Lounge, the Venus Motel and the Venus Lounge. Um, and uh, the story opens with a biker pulling out of the desert and, uh, and a 15-year-old kid that's kind of a foster kid working at the motel sweeping the sidewalks in their encounter. And this biker, is a, he's a blues piano player that gets a job at the Venus, and he's got a box that if you, if you put anything in it, it disappears forever and nobody can figure it out. And uh, so, uh, a lot of strange and interesting characters show up at the Venus uh, kind of built around this, this box and this experience. And uh, it's, it's an interesting ride. Um, it's a little bit film noir, a little bit, uh, a little humorous, but uh, uh, a little bit of depth in there too. And, uh, and very interesting characters. People, they're, they're very uh, interesting characters to hang out with. I enjoyed it for a year. So. <laughs> nice. So do you play, what, do you play the blues or do you play the piano? What is there a connection there? 
I've been a songwriter for years. I made my living as a as a musician for for forever. So I I play I play I do still play music quite a bit. But uh, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not really a blues man. But uh, but uh, I thought that it was a great uh, it was a great place for this guy to to uh, speak from. So so all right, uh, I, I I love the fact that you're um, not formulaic in your approach. Uh, I think it's more relatable for a lot of people. Um, I'm curious of some of your influences, whether they're film or because you mentioned film noir, or or writing. What what do you what do you like to watch? What do you like to read? Oh gosh, um, you know I I I love Irish literature. I, really, I, I love Irish books. Yeah, that's something I do. I, for some reason, Roddy Doyle is one of my favorite writers. Nice. Um, I'm gonna you know for a Christian audience, this is this take all this with the greatest hand. You don't want to jump in if you if you if you're gonna be easily offended. But Roddy Doyle. I think there's a book out called uh, or an Irish novel called Eureka Street. I thought was one of the most amazing uh, books I've read. It's another Irish Irish writer, um, William Leon McLean Wilson. I can't remember his name, but um, I have a good friend that's a, a, a literary professor at, uh, in Montana, and we we trade, trade a lot of books. He's Irish, and, and he so he kind of turned me on to a lot of this stuff. But I man, I grew up reading every possible Louis L'Amour book uh, nice. you could get the covers with the flashlight um, at night yep. and uh, uh, love uh, Hemingway is one of my favorites. Uh, Salinger, I think Salinger's nine stories. One of is, is a great piece of work. Um, gosh, I don't know. The list goes on and on. I just, I, I love to read and, and I have a pretty wide, uh, a pretty wide taste. Just pretty much anything that I get my hands on. I, I can read it and find something in it to enjoy. Same with movies, you know, uh, I love, I, rarely watch a movie that I, that I don't love. I have, I have two little granddaughters now, so I've been watching a lot of, uh, the old, uh, you know, Disney stuff or whatever for kids. And I, even that stuff, I'm like, man, I love this. <laughs> I love, I love good storytelling, you know, it's just, and, and you know, the, the, I love the craft of it. So here's, here's a question. Not a lot of people can answer off the top of their heads. I'll try it with you. What's your favorite film noir film? Oh gosh. Um, I mean, it's hard to beat Hitchcock, you know, um, uh, is that really? Uh, is that would? Is that really noir? Because I think I would think it would be noir. I mean, I mean, if you go like maybe Raymond Chandler stuff yeah. would yeah. be a little bit more more of that uh, that uh, uh, genre. Which also, that's another guy I love to read, Raymond Chandler. Hmm. Uh, but um, yeah, but I don't know. I would, I would, I think I would call that noir. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Who knows? Well, uh, Rear uh, window. Yeah. Yeah. Lady Van. The, the, the third man, I, I think, is a classic. Uh, and then the other one, the name is slipping away from me, but it takes place in Laredo, Texas, on the border. Uh, and it's... Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, I know what movie you're talking about. The Citizen Kane guy. Orson Welles? Yeah, Orson Welles. On the border. Um, yeah, I know, the, I know the movie. Man, you know what? I saw that not more than a couple years ago, too, and I can't remember him. I'm blanking out. Yeah, and that, that to me is, is pretty classic film noir. Yeah, yeah, and and I would say that's a, so. When I say film noir, that's a little darker than what I'm writing, but uh, but you know you kind of get the 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 story you know uh, element in those you know older movies, man. They're just great stories. You know they don't rely on a lot of a lot of gimmicks, and I just I just love that stuff. All right, very very fun. Okay, but I did. These are some of my favorite interviews. I mean, I like talking about all the other a lot of the other things too, but this, this, we could go on and on and on. Uh, and oh, yeah. Cause yeah. we could, sounds like we could share reading lists cause Hemingway is one of my favorites too. And I grew yeah. up reading Louis Lamore. Um, but we will, we will spare the audience all of that. Uh, and I will give you the last word, whether you want to talk about the book or uh, 
just your philosophy in life. Uh, I'll let you close it out and appreciate your time. And I hope some people will watch this and go, I'm going to check out one of his books, whether it's Venus Sings the Blues or The Light uh, or any of any of the other ones you've got at buckstorm.com. But last word to you. Yeah, well, um, let me say this. I, I As far as the last word goes, uh, I've spent most of my life being a pretty horrible cultural Christian, I would say. Uh <laughs> I don't, I don't seem to fit into the Christian culture that well, but I, I was just talking to my wife about this uh, yesterday. The one constant I have found to be true from the time I was a child into now, which is obviously not a child, is that Jesus has been faith. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've gone through some, I've walked through some pretty weird places in my life, uh, especially as a musician and, and travel in the world. We've been all, everywhere and always found that God has been there by my side even when I didn't deserve it. And um, I think if you take a look at the light, especially uh, in light of today's culture, when people are so lost and so broken, you know, and, you know, our daughters are taking their clothes off on TikTok and our our sons are walking into schools with guns, you know, just to say, hey, I exist. Mm. You know, the the fact that we do exist to Christ is miraculous and and wonderful and, and never ending. And so, that's what I, I just want to tell the world. My experience has been that God has been faithful to me, man. And God, you know, just the fact that uh, he recognizes me and he, and he knows me and he knows me intimately. And if and anybody, this is just me, this is you, anybody listening right now, if you know if somebody knows you intimately, you really don't deserve to be recognized. If they see the dark things in your pocket, you know, and uh, uh, but God... He's a he's he is love, and he he is the only answer in today's world. And so that's what I wanted to say with this book, love is it. that there, there is hope and there is a future. Yeah, the book is the light. Uh, you can get it where you get books, buckstorm.com, as well as Venus Things the Blues and a lot of other good ones. Check out check out one of them. You enjoy his style, uh, and his dialogue and his characters. Uh, then. <laughs> There's others for you to get. And when you do that, I am big on this. Buck's certainly not asking me to do this, but I really think if we want to see more good fiction, more good movies, more good TV series that uh, give the message that Buck just laid out, love of God, we need to support each other in those endeavors. So whether you are uh, a fiction person or not, go buy some, give them to someone you know. Appreciate you guys being here. By the way, Touch of Evil is the movie I was talking about. If you like a little film noir. Oh, Touch of Evil. That's right. <laughs> and, and check it all out. We will see you again next time here on Life Today Live. In spite of our rebellion, in spite of our sins, in spite of our failures, God says, I love you. I love you. I love you.